Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, where we've heard there are 12 steps, but we only care about step four, searching and fearless moral inventory. Book number 79, The Long Lost Brother. Will Tim ever be accepted in Sweet Valley? Tim. Hi, gladiators. I'm Marissa, the host of the show. Uh, Marissa Flaxbart, welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I am joined today by Brianna McGill. Hi, Brianna. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I've been so excited about this. <laughs> awesome. Well, I love to hear that. Um, we are talking about a book here in season eight. It's been a season of new characters, people that we've never heard of before. And so some people might wonder, Tim who, when they hear the subtitle of book 79, um, and they will learn, we will get into Tim who, Um, but maybe we should start by uh, talking about this cover a little bit, you know, let the, let the listeners start out with us, just like we started out with this book. Uh, Just, well, I have my own thoughts about this cover, but I'd love to hear from you. I'm sure you have thoughts. So yeah, so Tim is looking very pensively into the distance, possibly a little pained, I think. Um, but I think Elizabeth is really carrying the weight of the cover. Um, <laughs> I know these books sometimes get criticized for Elizabeth being very Saint Elizabeth-y. This is aggressive. Like, I'm a social worker. Like, I get the, like, savior complex thing. Uh, but it was next level. And yeah, just the look that she has as she gingerly pats his shoulder um is really next level and she's carrying a stack of books she has on this like very 90s pattern sweatshirt but yes you you're so right you could put like a halo like behind her head and it would just it would sell it even more i feel like this um is a, a cover where this doesn't happen that often where you look at the cover and you actually kind of have a good sense of like how this is going to play out. <laughs> um, if Sweet Valley High were the kind of thing that was like hip enough to be like a meme, then this meme is this is Elizabeth in a nutshell. Like this is this is Elizabeth doing the thing that she does in these books, especially when they're about random characters we've never heard of. Yeah, real hero um, that stuck out to me as well is just how involved Elizabeth is in, in Tim's life. <laughs> Yes. And I don't want to belabor this point, but there is one more thing about the face Elizabeth's making. There have been many, many covers where Elizabeth is looking with concern at someone who's having a problem or at her sister or something like that. Maybe her sister's having a problem. In this book, on this cover, she has this sort of like slight smile. Like, and that adds to the beatific thing that you're des- describing. She's just like, you know what, kid? You're going to be okay. (laughs) You got this, buckaroo. Yeah. And in in such sharp contrast with his, like you said, his, like, he looks like he might be sick, you know? Uh, Just the darkest expression on his face. But... This is a lot of cover talk. So so <laughs> why don't we go in? I have to ask you, um, this is your first time on the show. Uh, have you, do you have any history with Sweet Valley High as a series? A bit. So actually it came from, I don't know, running out of Babysitter's Club books. So I'd had 
One at the library book sale back when I was probably like seven or eight, um, they were selling a Sweet Valley Twins book, something about like a ghost at a carnival or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought that and I enjoyed it, but yeah, it just like didn't, couldn't hold a candle to my babysitter's club love. Um, and then actually somewhat recently, I was like, I got to get into these. It's just like the logical next step in my young adult journey. Um, but I read the first one like total snooze fest um but the first sweet valley high yeah double love yeah then i realized that i think the ones where things just get really wild circa jungle prom was more what i was seeking um so i've done in the last few years sort of like a pandemic induced hobby of like read probably starting at book 95 or so but yeah i think any of the books where things go really wrong plane crashes kidnappings shipwrecking um those are the ones i've tended to read God, yeah so i've skipped through a lot of these though i think actually there's a lot happening here that i had not appreciated adequately until now well that's actually great setup for us to talk about the plot because i was surprised at the beginning of this book to find that, oh, it was clear right away, okay? Like, not only is this doing the very season eight of Sweet Valley Diaries, like book 70 to 80 thing of having a random character at the center, it's also doing the thing that has been very common this season, which is like, this is a book that is like about an issue and it's gonna teach the kids about a thing that's going on in society. Um, I was not expecting that of this book. Yeah, it had big Degrassi energy um, that I don't think I was expecting when we, when it was, I was expecting more soap opera, but yeah, it felt very much like after school special. Because we start off right in chapter one with Elizabeth at um, a shelter for, or she's interviewing the director. She's not there yet. She's inter- interviewing the director of a shelter for abused women or battered mm-hmm. women, as the book says. Um, and the book is like lays on pretty heavy that this is a serious topic but I feel like it's talking about it in a way that you can see right through to the author who's like we need to explain this issue to children gladiators I'm doing a typing motion like this (laughs) I'm the writer typing away my uh, princess typewriter right so she she asks questions about like like the director tells her that she can't of reveal disclose in the article the location of the shelter because you know she explains why women or it's women i don't know why i'm in this book it is women uh, why they would stay with their partners which i thought maybe was foreshadowing but it's really not for this book no they do and i don't know i think i get very anxious anytime sweet valley tries to hit on a social issue it was oh yeah not the worst I've seen by a long shot. Um, but yeah, I had also thought that the domestic violence subplot was leading somewhere that it really didn't. Um, but yeah, definitely very much set up as like, a, this is a serious issues book. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's a MacGuffin. I mean, maybe even like a double MacGuffin. <laughs> like she, she's there because it's like setting up this thing where Elizabeth is feeling really passionate about learning more about people that are like going through hard times to the point that repeatedly throughout this book, which Gladiators, I swear, is not about Elizabeth, but, you know, she is on the cover. She's doing something. Um, She's eventually going to be connected into the world of like 12 step programs and just like apparently Project Youth, which has been um, a 
frequent uh, <laughs> frequent location for things here in uh, in this season of the books. Um, we're in like ninety ninety one as far as when these were written. Apparently, Project Youth is actually part of a bigger center. Um, that was news to me, but like a help center for people of all ages. So, um, that's going to become important later. That like Elizabeth has an in to. 12-step programs she learns what they are Mm -hmm. and she is there because she's writing an article about them of course she is yeah um i do i think the book highlights for me a lot of concerns about confidentiality uh that shows up a lot um Mm -hmm. anonymous (laughs) alcoholics or whatever it is anonymous it's like a part of the story a part of the name of alcoholics very publicly broadcast to everyone is yeah i mean I, I guess that's probably that might be what it's like in a small town sometimes you know but i guess the leaks aren't really coming from inside the group but but yeah um we're, we're doing such a good job of like withholding uh, like holding our cards close to our chest so so let's get into it but but there's just one thing i want to read because it really made me laugh right from the beginning of the book about elizabeth doing all this thing doing all this stuff with the like serious issues okay so she's explaining to jessica whose big issue in this book is that again she hates all the responsibilities that have come with being miss teen sweet valley that's been a theme ever since she became miss teen sweet valley a few books ago jessica downshifted for a stoplight while they waited for it to turn green she snatched up her sunglasses from the dashboard and put them on What were you doing at the community center anyway? Didn't you already write an article about that Project Kids Clinic or whatever it is? Elizabeth couldn't help but smile, despite her gloomy thoughts. Project you, she corrected. This time I'm doing a piece on battered women. The light changed and Jessica pressed her foot down on the gas pedal, sending the little car zooming through the intersection. You mean women whose husbands hit them? Yes, Elizabeth answered sadly. Expertly, Jessica rummaged through her bag, keeping her eyes on the road the whole time, and brought out a stick of gum. After unwrapping it, she folded it into her mouth. Bummer, she said, consulting the rearview mirror before signaling and changing lanes. That is the nuance I crave. Bummer. (laughs) That's like also just in the same way that this picture of Elizabeth on the cover is like, here's what this book series is about. Um... This exchange between the two twins pretty much spells it all out for us, their dynamic. Uh, But quickly, we are moving on to meet the Eastbourne, specifically Mrs. Eastbourne and, more importantly, Sarah Eastbourne, a junior at Sweet Valley High. Initial impressions of Sarah Eastbourne? We don't know. I think (laughs) with actually pretty much everyone in the whole family and, you know... I'm a social worker. I imagine this will show up a lot in this episode. There's the, on one hand, wanting to hold empathy for some challenging family dynamic she's experiencing. And also at times just being like, oh my God, get over it, Sarah. Um, yes. And I think <laughs> the longer the book went, the more sort of enraged I was that I had to continue reading about her processing of her brother's situation. I totally agree. Like, so we're introduced to Sarah, who is effectively our protagonist. But at a certain point, fairly early on, it 
I started to feel like the book didn't even want us to be on like Sarah's side. <laughs> like Sarah's position quickly becomes somewhat indefensible. And I, I agree, empathy and, and the the family dynamics that Bran is alluding to, Gladiators, is like her parents are divorced, and most importantly, her brother got into some big trouble and was sent to reform school. I actually have a passage about that that kind of sums it up. Her brother's name is Tim. The, I was going to say the titular Tim, but I guess it's not in the title. Oh, but he is the titular long lost brother. Yeah, course. the subtitular Tim. <laughs> yes, the subtitular Tim. Perfect. And not really that long lost. Like, not Sarah lost and her all. mom, Sarah and her mom just moved to Sweet Valley. Um, but her father is in Connecticut. So they're all the way on the other side of the country, which is a pretty extreme divorced parents situation tim it's really critical to know that tim is sarah's twin brother um so they are twins and um sarah has made up a story that she's told people in sweet valley about tim it's a very simple story it's just like he's living with dad in connecticut Mm -hmm. so he when our parents split up we each picked a parent he decided to stay with that Believable enough. But yeah, this did not seem actually lost to me at all. And that we know exactly where he is. And it hasn't been that long since they've seen each other. Um, So I I think that long or lost. (laughs) That set me up for thinking that we were in for a very different book. And then about five pages in, I'm like, nope, that's not the book that I thought I was going to read. Right. So here we are right at at the beginning, page 12. Um, Mrs. Eastbourne is is, uh, talking to her daughter. I guess what's happened is that um, just before this is that her mother has mentioned Tim in passing and Sarah is just like visibly bristles like she doesn't want to hear um, hear his name. Mrs. Eastbourne sighed. Sarah, we need to talk. About Tim? Sarah's voice was brittle. She pretended to be absorbed in the process of setting the table. What is there to say, Mom? He's an embarrassment to the whole family. He drank too much, he took drugs, and finally he stole a car. Now he's in reform school. Doesn't that about cover it? I'll continue. Just, I think it is funny that, like, the exposition dump that that paragraph is, but... No, it doesn't, Mrs. Eastbourne replied firmly. Sarah, Tim made some terrible mistakes. There's no denying that. But he's really trying to turn his life around now. He's been getting good grades at school and attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Sarah was trembling with the effort to hold in all her anger and pain. And that makes everything all right, she finally cried, her eyes filling with tears. Mom, had you forgotten how good Tim was at faking us all out? Making us think he was a wonderful guy, when all the time... And, you know, so that she... I don't know, Mrs. Eastbourne is like, yeah, that happened, it's okay, (laughs) but... We got to give him a chance. You know, that's basically her line of, I mean, of course, he's her son. So she would think that. Um, But that's the situation with him. Right? Yeah. um, And yeah, man, folks have very strong reactions to car theft um, in Connecticut and California. (laughs) Yes. He stole a car. Oh, my God. I mean, not that that's good, but it's just like. None of those things are good, but it's it is also treated like murder. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, like, could I possibly be safe near this person given the car theft? Yes. 
So I would say that Sarah throughout the book, but especially like in the first third, when we're first meeting her, the number one like dominant trait of Sarah Eastbourne is that she is distracted. Mm -hmm. She is like the phrase driven to distraction comes to mind, Um, distracted by her like intrusive thoughts of Tim and what will happen if Tim were to come back? What will happen if people find out the truth about Tim? Her friends will abandon her. Everyone will hate her. She'll be an outcast. And constantly, her fr- she's good friends with Amanda Hayes, mm-hmm. who I think Amanda Hayes, I thought that that was Aaron Dallas's girlfriend, but maybe they broke up. I don't know. These, Not important. This whole book, I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> Well, the other guy, so she's fr- she's good friends with her. Amanda is, like, asking her all the time, what are you so upset about? Like, please tell me and confide in me. But even her um, her boyfriend, who also is brand new, um, Bob Hillman, uh, which I'm sure we'll have some things to say about him, even he is, like, noticing initially, like, she gets in the car, her eyes are puffy. She's like, he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing, haha, and she smiles, you know? And then she's several times throughout the book somewhere with him where she she is pretending to have a good time, pretending to pay attention. But in her head, she's thinking about something else. And then she finds out that her she was doing a bad job of pretending because she's being called out for seeming distant and aloof. Yeah, that happens so many times. And actually, that might be. That might be worse than stealing a car in Sweet Valley. Um, Because I think anytime she was distracted, there's just a lot of rage around that. Like, she doesn't get invited back to dinner. Like, oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, there's (laughs) such an issue around she was distracted at the family dinner at, I don't know, the fancy club or whatever. The country club, yeah. So Bob Hillman takes her to dinner with his parents, and it's her first time meeting Mm -hmm. them at this dinner. She's upset for kind of unknown reasons about Tim. She's also nervous about making a good impression, but if she's nervous about that, she should probably be trying to stay a little bit more present. But at any rate, she, it seems like, I mean, the Eastbournes are definitely seem like they're kind of in a different sort of class Mm -hmm. than the Hillmans. And they are, are, his parents are awful. Yeah, I think that part of me was like, yeah, it's not great that you were distracted. I was also maybe a little surprised they noticed because, yeah, the Bob Hillman's dad is really distracted initially. And near as I can tell, the mom only talks about tanning beds, question mark. Um, yeah. She asks. So the dad is like constantly trying to get somebody's attention. I know we can't get this granular. This episode is going to be four hours long. But um, but I will say it was just this one moment we go with these parents at this dinner. The dad is trying to get the attention of like clients that he wants to meet. The mom asks a question about like, what do you think about tanning? She's clearly pro tanning because she has is has a dark tan. But like Sarah's not paying attention. But afterwards, um, Bob says to Sarah in the car... You really blew it with mom and dad. (laughs) And the book says, For a moment, Sarah was furious. Then she remembered how much she liked Bob Hillman and how popular he was at school. She sighed and, after he was behind the wheel again, reached out to touch his arm lightly. I'm sorry, she said. I didn't mean to be rude. It's just that I have some things on my mind. And he asks what things, and she won't tell him, which is 
because she's afraid that he will dump her. And also, she's she's very committed to her lie about yeah. her brother. Yeah, that is, I think, that cycle about 95% of the book. <laughs> right. And Bob, I mean, at this moment, this is like the very beginning of the book. It's like they weren't trying to slow row Bob Hillman sucks. Like... Like you at this, and this is the beginning too of us being like, Sarah, are you like, are we supposed to like you? Because this is bad. Like, I mean, maybe that's the the um crossover with the idea of a battered women's shelter is that we have this girl who's like, he's not physically abusive to her, but he's he's you know the kind of guy that if they got married would be you know verbally abusive, emotionally mm-hmm. abusive. And she's thinking like, oh, well, I want to stay with him, which is the reason that the book gives us for women staying in relationships like that. Yeah, they lack self-confidence, I think, was a primary thread of that. Um, Yeah, it was not the most nuanced perspective, I think, what's going on there. yeah. Well, luckily, the book doesn't dwell on that <laughs> for too long. We move right on to the idea of 12 step programs, and Elizabeth learns all about those. And um, very quickly uh, in the book, we get a call. Tim calls from school, and we find out that Tim is, is being released from. What's it called? River something. Rivercrest. Mm-hmm. He's being released from Rivercrest and he will be coming to live with mom and Sarah. Mm-hmm. And this is bad news to Sarah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it probably didn't help that yeah, she had told everyone that he was like a soon to be Harvard student and maybe like an Olympic athlete. Just like there's a lot of lore there. And so I think Tim showing up might be a problem. She tells Amanda that Tim is moving in with her and her mother. And Amanda is like, you don't really seem that happy about it. And Sarah just, she doesn't want to go into it. But what she thinks is, once again, Sarah longed to tell Amanda everything. But in the end, her courage failed her. Every time she was about to open up to Amanda, she remembered Darlene. Mm. Darlene had been her best friend back in Connecticut. When Tim had been arrested for stealing a car... Darlene had suddenly stopped speaking to Sarah. She had moved her things out of the locker they shared and told everyone in school that the Eastbournes were, quote, the wrong kind of people. And because Darlene was popular, many of the other kids had taken their lead from her and snubbed Sarah, too. So that's the baggage Sarah is carrying, if we're going to be empathetic towards Sarah. Yeah, it that did all have a very, like, Stacey Diabetes um, in the Babysitter's Club vibe. I thought the same thing. I was actually walking around. I was trying to think, like, which book is it? Which book was it that somebody had this exact thing happening? And I remembered it was Stacey. Stacey McGill. But, yeah, the, like, thing that, you know, again, stealing a car, not great. Uh, I'd say much worse than diabetes. But, like, the extent <laughs> to which, like, Stacey had needed to leave New York City because there were simply no schools in New York City that would accept a diabetic girl like her and then she had to keep this secret <laughs> um and I was like I don't know I, I feel like surely somebody out there can like someone whose brother stole a car but maybe not yeah well and also like Stacy is 13 and you know does is just like figuring out all like kids the, the, she's with kids right mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's talking to kids who are just very i mean but 
Sarah is in this milieu where it's like she's a junior in high school. But but in fairness, in fairness to Sarah in Sweet Valley, like it is a big deal when people start finding out about her brother. Mm-hmm. And it is the kind of thing that people in Sweet Valley care about. Um, like her brother moves home and like she's filled with thread about uh, about having him back there. Um, and she tells him unequivocally, like, you cannot tell anybody where you really came from. Mm-hmm. She's so mad at him. And he's so cute. He has a nickname for her. He calls her Sari. Um, and he's, like, trying to be, you know, he tries to apologize for hurting her. She doesn't want to hear it. She's just like, I can't believe anything you say. She's very brittle towards him. It's just a repeated cycle of her mom being like, you guys have to make up. People are telling Sarah to go to Alateen a lot. Maybe she can talk through her issues. But yeah, she tells Tim like right away that he has to keep a secret. He does not want to. Um, and, but, you know, whether or not he I don't know if if this is a part of the secret being kept or what, but he becomes like a pretty popular guy at Sweet Valley High pretty quickly. Yeah, almost immediately. And even Mrs. Wakefield is like, everything I hear is that he's just such a nice boy. Um, but yeah, almost immediately, like Amanda wants to hang out with him. Amanda's pretty into him. Just yeah, all around folks seem really attracted to spending time with Tim. When Elizabeth meets Tim, does she meet him first at the AA meeting? She sure does. Um, which I was not loving Tim's conduct in the AA meeting. Yeah. Yeah, the book seemed like it was bending over backwards to make us be like, to be like, it's okay, it's okay that he's being so flirtatious because he didn't seem threatening. Cause, but yeah, he's he's a lot. He's like really laying it on thick. Like, do you have a boyfriend? And can I get your number? Like, oh, this is a lucky guy. Like, but Elizabeth is taking it in stride. So, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know that theme that came up yeah, a couple times throughout the book i think that may have been the place i may have judged him more for that than the car thief thievery actually <laughs> i know it is a little squirmy like it's just yeah he, uh, let me see actually if i can find any of that i don't know that i flagged it but tim came up to her as she was standing by the refreshment table munching on a cookie hi he said he wriggled his eyebrows comically come here often Elizabeth laughed. I'm a visitor, she said, putting out her free hand. My name is Elizabeth. Uh Uh-uh, Elizabeth, he interrupted. We don't use last names here. Elizabeth's cheeks burned slightly. Sorry, I forgot. But I know I'm not supposed to talk about what people say in this room. And he goes on. uh, They talk for a few seconds. And Tim says, I suppose it's too much to hope that you don't have a boyfriend, he teased. Tim's manner was friendly and funny, not threatening in any way. It's just like the book is trying so hard to be like, it's okay, it's okay. You like Tim, guys. Tim is safe. We like Tim. <laughs> um, but she introduces Tim to Todd, and Todd likes him. Yeah, they're getting along. And who really likes Tim is Amanda. Mm, very much so. And how does Sarah feel about this? As you can imagine, not good, because I think we now have layers. Um, we have the lie. We have that he's not supposed to tell anyone the truth, but also that, yeah, Sarah has this elaborate like back lie that she's made up about him. And so, yeah, this is causing a lot of a lot of problems for Sarah. Yeah. And she's never when she sits down with him and like yells at him about how he can't be honest with people. 
She also doesn't stop to tell him what stories she's told people about him. You know, ex- other than the, I said that you were living with that in Connecticut. They don't know about boarding school. And um, so she's, yeah, she's constantly worried. Like she doesn't want him to hang out with Amanda because if he might let something slip um, about his real past. Meanwhile, all this is happening. The She's trying so hard to keep the secret. The first time Elizabeth mentions Tim Eastbourne to the editor of the Oracle, Penny, She's saying that maybe they should do the Sweet Valley High thing where a new student comes to school and they write a profile of him for the paper. Seems stressful, but whatever. Um, Penny says right away, you know, my source tells me that he was in, I think she goes, she has the whole scoop. Like he was in a reform school because he stole a car something like that. Yeah, we never get any more information about this source, right? Isn't that weird? I thought that was so strange. I mean, it must be Caroline Pierce, as far as I could tell. Because Elizabeth is like, well, this source that you have heard from, like, do you think that it's likely to get out beyond just you and and the source? And Penny's like, knowing this person, probably. So I don't know how anybody would know this about Tim. That's the big question. How would anyone know? Yeah, um, because honestly, I think the like making up a bunch of stuff about like his Harvard journey and like him being a record holding track athlete created many more obvious opportunities for slip ups because he's like, oh, no, I guess I've run before. Oh, I don't like school. Um, But yeah, it was very vexing to me that this information would have leaked and we never find out how or why, um, because I've got nothing. Right. And and the leak it doesn't really like get all over the school that mm-hmm. this happened. It seems like what's happening is that it's a low level rumor. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have a big scene where like the truth comes out. Um, Elizabeth does clock for her own part that, okay, I was at this AA meeting that where I met Tim. Tim was talking about having a sister who at the AA meeting when he was giving a story. It's funny because I feel like, oh, I'm not supposed to be talking about this on a podcast because it happened at AA. But of course, this is fiction. This is what we do. So um, the she puts together that when he was talking about how his sister wants um, him to perpetuate her lie now that he's back in town, like, oh, Sarah Eastbourne. I thought Tim reminded me of someone. That's who it is. And Elizabeth is clocking that Sarah seems like she doesn't even want to look at her brother yeah that's cool but yeah that actually felt like there's a lot of build-up to like aha they're siblings and like oh there's two people that look alike with the same last name checks out <laughs> right right and I, I guess the only reason why you could even buy maybe Elizabeth being a little slow on the uptake is that they're new in town mm-hmm. but it's okay this book is selling a lot of stuff we don't have to buy all of it um should we skip to the pizza and like crunch McAllister oh crunch we sure can. Um, so did you read the Sweet Valley book where Elizabeth gets in the motorcycle accident? Dangerous Love? Oh, it's a really early book. I think I did read that one. Then traumatic brain injury that gets cured by her hitting her head again. Is that what yeah, happens? That's the following book. That's, right. that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, I learned a lot as, you know, a mental health professional about brain injuries from those books. <laughs> <laughs> um that's great i'm sure your colleagues really benefited from your uh uh your insights um 
that that was Crunch McAllister in his van. Oh, that hit, that hit them. The book doesn't even mention it. This book, I mean, does it's like Crunch is just like a guy who has a van that he's really proud of. And what does he call the van? It's like the Purple Lion or something. Oh my God, I don't know. His van was gleaming purple with a roaring lion boldly painted on the side. Hello, Jerry, Amanda said. Sounds like quite something. <laughs> I can't visualize it. Yeah, I I have a picture, but it's ridiculous. Um, so he's very proud of it. And we learn early on in the book that Crunch has a crush on Amanda, that Amanda is aware of but does not reciprocate. Um, also, just as long as we're doing details, a Mr. Krasinski, the ballet teacher from Miss Teen Sweet Valley, he returns in this book. So, um, my Mr. Krasinski impression is not going to return because we don't need to quote him at all in this episode, but that was kind of nice to see him back. At a certain time in the book, Tim goes and meets up with Elizabeth and Todd at... And, and I don't remember who else, but it's not really important, at the pizza place, briefly. And on his way in, he looks at the van, he appraises it positively, and he comes in and Todd is like, you better not let Crunch catch you looking at that van. He really loves it, or I don't know, some, something dumb like that. Seemed innocuous enough at the time. Yeah, I... Are my skip... Am I skipping over anything important? I don't think so, but yeah. Like, it was, there was enough flagging happening around this van that, like, Tim was looking at the van, and folks like, can't look at the van, but I would imagine that van would get a lot of looks. And then, yeah, Crunches comes in, and the first thing folks say is, like, your your van, the purple line, it's looking really good. Um, So I'm like, this, ha- this has to come back. Yeah. That was, I guess that was Saturday night Uh, that... He goes to meet Elizabeth and Todd at the pizza place. I'm looking at it right now. And the the book is giving us all the details. Elizabeth glanced on the, at the clock on the wall behind the counter. It was 9.15. And then um, later on, we find out that it was 11 when they went home, you know. And then the next thing, the, the next chapter starts. When Sarah saw the police car pull up in front of the house early Sunday morning, her heart almost stopped beating. Even before the two officers came up the walk and rang the doorbell, she knew the worst was happening again. Um, and the cops say uh, Crunch McAllister's or Jerry McAllister's van has been stolen. And he thinks he tells us that he thinks Tim did it. So they take Tim in for questioning. And this was a place where it's like, maybe this rumor has gotten around more. Because again, like, I, I gotta believe that people are looking at the Purple Lion van. Um, but that everyone, and for the police I can see, because Tim has a record, but for everyone else, I'm like, I don't know why your mind would jump to like, Tim taking the van, unless they'd been sort of primed from the rumors from Connecticut. Right. And I mean, I don't know about you, I didn't think for a second that Tim took the van. And I feel like the book was trying to make it clear for us that Tim didn't take the van. Even with Elizabeth and Todd, like, giving him an alibi, there's still this thing of, like, well, yeah, but he could have gone back afterwards to steal. Like, it's, like, was 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 Mac- Crunch McAllister still there after 11 o'clock? I don't know. But 
there is a big question, even with, among the within the Eastbourne family, like, could he have done it? Sarah definitely thinks that he did it or is afraid that he did. Um, but Mr. Eastbourne, their dad, who we should add, is characterized up until this point as being very distant. He doesn't really think much of them. Uh, it's surprising that he's visited um, Tim even once at Rivercrest. Like, he's not a very involved father. Um, but lo and behold, he flies out to Sweet Valley, like, t- right away to help address this family crisis. And the one of the first things he says to Tim is, like, son, you know, if you did this, you know, we'll work through it. But, like, you need to tell me. Like, so clearly he's his only, I think the mom is, is like, pretty sure that Tim didn't do it. But. but, yeah, the family definitely very sure that he did it. I will say, yeah, the father showed up better than I might have expected, given that it seems like he has never spoken to either of his children before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and seemed to be, as it went on, an embodiment of the idea that, like, people can try and change. Because mm-hmm. Mrs. Eastbourne and Tim both have been trying to tell Sarah throughout this book. Tim is really trying hard. There's actually a really um, a really poignant moment where Sarah and Tim have a conversation. And Tim basically, like, says as much to Sarah. Um, I'm sorry, Sarah, he said. If I could go back and change the things I did, I would. Talk is cheap, Sarah said bitterly. How many times had Tim promised her that he would stop hanging around with such a bad crowd? Stop getting into trouble. Stop drinking. Action is the only thing that counts with me. The light changed and Tim eased through the intersection. The rain had become practically a deluge. Okay, fair enough. The problem is, I'm trying to show you that I've changed, but you won't pay attention. Sarah let out a trembly sigh. I believed in you once before, Tim. It cost me most of my friends. So yeah, he's like, I'm trying to show you that I've changed. You're not seeing it. But she's, and that's true. And she's, she says, yeah, well, fool me once is basically her whole attitude. But now we have Mr. Eastbourne as starting to be another example of that. And he even takes Sarah out at one point and says, um, I love you and your brother very much. I'd like to have a second chance with you if you'll let me. How many times had Sarah fantasized about her father telling her that he loved her? Now it was actually happening. Her dad was actually reaching out to her, and Sarah didn't quite know how to respond. I love you too, Dad, she said softly. Mr. Eastbourne put his arm around Sarah's shoulders and pulled her close. I know things look pretty bleak to you now, honey, but it's all going to work out. Sarah smiled through her tears. Having her father hold her close and reassure her felt so good, it almost made up for the fact that that he was probably completely wrong about things working out. <laughs> I, that's the main reason why I highlighted that, was I thought that was, he's probably wrong. It's a very nervous teenager way of thinking about it. And I've skipped ahead to that point, but just to illustrate that that's Mr. Eastbourne's kind of arc and his purpose, he steps up like he's trying to be a better dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about Tim being in trouble. He's not like being held at the station or anything he gets released like they don't have any evidence it's just really his record and conscious suspicion but right away there are repercussions for sarah aren't mm-hmm. there yeah things do not go good for sarah um bob comes by and basically like that very night bob dumps her unceremoniously in his car and he's like i need my letterman jacket back <laughs> like this asshole good riddance yeah. 
unceremoniously. Um, but yeah, that and what about her friendship with Amanda? Surely that beautiful friendship could survive this issue. You'd think so, but for some reason, Amanda is like mad at Sarah for like not giving her a heads up. I didn't, I mean, like I understood Amanda's perspective later, but initially it was unclear to me what Amanda's upset about. And there's this kind of interesting scene where Sarah and Tim, Sarah is, is she's started to forgive Tim, but then she's pissed off at him all over again. And she tells him like, well, Amanda's out of both of our lives now. And he's like, yeah, well, I guess I better call her and tell her the truth. And she won't even come to the phone to talk to him. So I didn't really know what that was about. But later on, we learn that Amanda was really upset with Sarah for just not telling her the truth about Tim. Um, when the truth begins to come out. Like, we're friends are supposed to trust each other. You didn't trust me. And Sarah tries to explain that, like, okay, well, I, I wasn't, af- I was afraid of what Tim would say, of what you would say if you knew the truth. She tells her about Darlene. Mm-hmm. And Amanda is like, okay, but you know what? Tim lied to me too. And Sarah's like, ah, ha, ha, yes, but it's okay because I told Tim to lie. He wanted to tell you the truth, but I told him to lie. You can see the, like, the movie version, like the rom-com version of this. She's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be mad at him. I told him to lie. And Amanda just, like, gets up from the table. She's like, I've lost my appetite. She's, like, so much more angry now about the idea that Sarah had told Tim to lie to Amanda. So... Which she comes around. She does come around. I'm like, we're really jumping to the, the, the thrilling conclusion here. But but yeah, Amanda initially is also fallout from Tim not even having done anything. But just being accused of doing something. It's funny because it's like. We, we've kind of like skipped over the blow by blow of a lot of the book, but it is like a kind of repetitive book. Yeah, I was so happy when it was over. <laughs> well, you said that you had a favorite page. What, did, have we gotten to that part yet? Or is it? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see if I can can bring that up. So I'm and, you know, I think my LGBTQ identity is important here. But I find Tom is a character really fascinating. Um oh, Sure. But I think where, and, you know, I think also acknowledging that, like, I specifically, like, my social work career is largely in um, supporting LGBTQ folks with substance use stuff. Um, So I, like, encounter the 12-step space fairly common in my day-to-day. And I think I was just really confused when, you know, they're going through and um, the person who works for the domestic violence shelter is talking about all the 12-step meetings um and then starts talking about elizabeth could hear people laughing and talking inside the room what about this particular group these kids use the 12 steps as guidelines but it's sort of an informal gathering you'll see what i mean um then elizabeth goes in which again like just does not feel like a particularly like emotionally safe thing for elizabeth to do and then tom's there and I just have a lot of questions about what this group is that is like sort of using the 12 steps, but I'm like, but for what? Um, and then they immediately talk about Tom being gay. So like, it's like a, an LGBTQ group. Um, and I think just all around, I was like, 
what is happening with this group? Um, what? Uh, yeah, I definitely, even without that, like, experience and context, I also, at that point, I think I, I flipped back and I reread that page like I had missed something. Like, okay, well, what 12-step group would Tom be at? Like, and then it's like, okay, I guess it's just a group of teens and they're hanging out. Like... He, and that's great, but I'm just like I just yeah don't see how the twelve steps fit right. in to any how of would that. that apply? Uh, we don't know anything about anybody else that's in that room. The book does talk a lot about Alateen, um, mm -hmm. and that's actually instrumental in the sort of like Sarah's healing process because um, at a certain point Elizabeth like goes to talk to Sarah and. She says, you know, she's so manipulative. I mean, even when she's being St. Elizabeth, she's using manipulation for positive ends. Do the ends justify the means? I don't know. You know, I'm doing a series of articles for the Oracle on some of the organizations and programs that work from the community center, Elizabeth said. I'm dropping by an Alateen meeting after school. Want to go with me? Elizabeth ostensibly has no idea that Tim is a an alcoholic, but... I don't know. Sarah felt all broken inside. Elizabeth is probably the last friend I have left, she thought. Elizabeth, who up to this point was like not really Sarah's friend, but whatever. Classic Elizabeth. Okay, she said quietly, I'll go. And so she goes to this Alateen meeting and she's like, I think it was, well, I don't know, like, I sort of appreciated the way that the book was like, it didn't have that meeting change her life. Like she comes out of that meeting and she's like, I feel like I didn't like absorb any of that. And Elizabeth's like, that's okay. Everything I learned about 12 Steps programs, I've learned in the last week. So it's okay. Oh, but I forgot about the fight. Jerry and uh, and Tim. Oh, yes, the fight. Um, which, again, just like, it all kind of blends together. Yeah. But, like, the escalation of, like, after Tim has been accused of stealing Jerry's car, he's like, or Van, excuse me, Van. Um, Purple Van. <laughs> he's waiting for him outside of the school, essentially. And he goes and, you know, Tim gets out of the car and Jerry, like, just punches him in the face, which I guess sells that Jerry really does think Tim stole his van. But the teachers have to come break up the fight and... I think Tim gets sent home from school that day. And yeah, it's just making things go from bad to worse in that sense. But um, then at some point, the van is found. Hooray! Like, it seems like it'd be easy to find, a, again, a purple van with a lion on it. That's a good point. They find the van. There are fingerprints on the van that are linked to like a known car thief. Not Tim. Like the next, there's another scene where just as before Sarah and Tim are driving to school together and this time, you know, it's Sarah who gets out of the car because she, she was sort of like, well, hold on. I'm getting ahead of ourselves. I'm getting ahead of myself on both of our behalfs. So like around the same time that Tim is absolved, Sarah is having a little bit of a revelation of her own. Like she calls the project youth line at some time at some point and just dumps out. She accuses Tim of having been the cause of their parents' divorce. That was an interesting mm, yeah. scene. Oh yeah. I particularly I think I enjoyed the conversation with her mom on this topic. Um Do you where know where mom... that is? Maybe we could read Let's some of see. it. Let's see. 
trying to remember the key thrust of it was no your father's always been emotionally withholding he, oh it was oh i remember why it was specifically discussing why tim was coming to california in the first place and mother's like really your father's just simply far too emotionally unavailable to be able to yes she's like you like because because sarah's like why can't tim just go live in connecticut like sarah doesn't want I mean, she says outright, like, I don't want, I just want to live my life the way I've contrived it to be, basically. <laughs> I don't want Tim to be a part of it. And um, ruin this imaginary fantasy that I've created for myself, where my brother never stole a car. Uh, but, but at some point towards the end of the book, there's just this moment where Sarah kind of, like, realizes the error of her ways. She's had this confrontation with Tim where she accuses him of breaking up the family. And Tim says, essentially what you were just quoting her mom is saying, like, you know, our parents had issues long before I started drinking. But I thought what was so interesting was that when Sarah starts to walk away from this fight, Tim is like, no, keep going. Like, you need to get this out. Like, I need to hear what's upsetting you. And Sarah kind of clamps up again. But that was definitely a turning point for her in actually being like being able to realize like what's been eating at her, like what her she's not really even mad about the the car stealing per se. She's mad about, you know, she's been holding uh, connecting all these things in her head between Tim and his alcoholism and his like it's not just that like her friends left her that like her whole life blew apart and she's just been conveniently blaming her brother for that yeah i think actually that bit where tim tried to encourage her to like stick with the conversation um and working through some of that stuff may have for me made up a little bit for how kind of creepy he was at the AA meeting at the beginning of the book sure sure so that begins sarah's you thought i mean we're late in the in the book this book by the way just by the by curiously has only 10 chapters these books almost always up to this point have had 13 chapters, sometimes 12, but usually 13, which is a kind of funny thing. But this one only has 10. So in chapter eight, um, you know, like three quarters of the way through the book is when Sarah starts to thaw towards her brother. And then we find out that he didn't really steal the van. And then they have to go about like putting the pieces back together. Um, we find out that Mr. Eastbourne is getting remarried. Um, and, you know, Sarah's, her, Mrs. Eastbourne is like going on a business trip. So Sarah's feeling pretty good. She's like forgiven Tim in her heart. She knows that he's, you know, she's, he's not guilty but that's even if no matter what, like she's she's turned a corner. She's made up with her dad. Like things are looking up. Um, has she told off Bill at this point? I can't remember. I think, yeah, he like he came back around and was like, I'm sorry. Like, let's get back together. I was wrong. And she's like, screw you. Which, yeah, if I was more invested in that relationship, I would have been really happy about. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. Um. But she comes back to her house and she's already she like Tim's not home. And then eventually she goes to his room. Oh, she decides to make chili. She's, she's going to yeah make save the family chili. <laughs> <laughs> and 
she has this, like, Tim's favorite meal. She's so happy. And her dad comes by to, like, say goodbye. And then eventually Tim isn't home yet. And so she goes and finds that he's written her a letter. Should I read the letter? I think you should. Dear Sari, I guess I'm a coward for saying goodbye to you this way instead of face to face. The plain truth is I didn't want to see how happy you would be to get rid of me. By now, Dad has probably told you that I've been cleared of stealing Jerry McAllister's van, which is why I'm allowed to leave the state. I'm going back to Connecticut, Sari. I don't really want to live with Dad and his girlfriend, so I'll be going to a boarding school upstate. Thanks to my experience at Rivercrest, I can deal with the concept of living at school. I'm sure your life will be much simpler and much happier now that I'm gone for good. Mom knows about the decision, but I asked her not to tell you because I wanted you to find out from me even indirectly. The kids at school will forget about me soon and things will return to normal, I promise. Take care and good luck. Love, Tim. I'm so glad her I'm so glad her mom didn't tell her. Um I don't know. <laughs> her I dad suppose. also could have told her at this point. Like they both know if this if this seems a little bit like histrionic from Tim, like you'll be better without me. It, I, I will say that it is his impression of how sarah will feel is well deserved by sarah's behavior towards him in the book i would agree um but yeah i think i maybe like a warm conversation with heck any relative might have been better than the letter in the empty room but yeah (laughs) i I do think that yeah because if I had a dollar for every time she said something like, my life would be better without you here, I'd have quite a few dollars. Yeah, she doesn't leave him in doubt about how she's feeling and how angry and how her he's ruined her life before and now he's ruining it again actively, basically. And But it did not really seem very much to Tim's character for all of this to come in a letter. I will say that. But it sets up a great rom-com ending uh, where... Sarah puts the pieces together in her mind. She's like clear headed for the first time in this entire book. Maybe the first time in her life for all we know. And she realizes that, okay, her dad is on the flight back to Connecticut. Her dad must have known about Tim and Tim is probably flying with his, with their dad back to Connecticut. So, you know, she like calls the airline and like asks, (laughs) she calls the, yeah. If Tim is there and like, can I talk to him? No. Like, so she has to race to the airport and she races, she races to the airport and up to the gate, you know, just like in the olden days. And she is able to tell Tim like, don't get on that plane. Yeah. I do think that, yeah, the additional post nine 11 security measures have really compromised our ability um, to have these dramatic flight boarding emotional reunions. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you'd have to contrive like, someone is on a plane to the same airport you know so they get off the plane and like they wait at the gate i don't know don't steal that everybody that's mine i'm gonna use that in a future rom-com <laughs> like if i fly to the airport i can get there just in time um but then they're so cute together sarah and tim as soon as as sarah as they've made up essentially it's like sarah is a different person and they have such a cute rapport. It's just like, oh, man, it would have been fun to watch this for a whole book. I don't know. Do you think that? Yeah. Like, you know, I think I've been maybe a little Haiti on this book. Um, but really anything to give Sarah 
or honestly, in some ways, even Tim, like a character um, would have been nice. And yeah, I agree that the rapport was just a kind of fun to like witness that character transformation, which, yeah, we don't necessarily get a ton of in the book. Yeah. But then, you know, the the they go to school together again. Everybody thinks that Jerry has left to go back to Connecticut. I don't really know exactly how they knew that that was happening, but um they have a repeat of the scene where Jerry and Tim um I think I might have said the wrong name. Everybody thinks that Tim has gone back to Connecticut. Then they have a replay of the scene between Tim and Jerry. That's funny to say it that way. Let's call him Crunch. <laughs> Crunch and Crunch and Tim um where the car pulls up and this time it's Sarah who gets out of the car and she's like, you know, back off, buddy. But lo and behold, Crunch actually wants to apologize to Tim for he had heard a rumor. So now we get this confirmed, like how this happened. He had heard a rumor that Tim had stolen a car. He was jealous of Tim for going out with Amanda, who he liked. And he just had this idea in his head that Tim probably did it. And he was wrong. And like, let's be buddies. <laughs> buddies? And they shake on it. Buddies. They go escalate very quickly from face punch to pals, um, which I don't know that I would have expected such a 180 there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crunch has literally punched Tim in the face. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's it. Sort of like happily ever after. And the only um, important a like sort of B plot C plot that we haven't talked about is that is like just a comedy B plot where Elizabeth uh, is finally harangued by Jessica into sub like dressing up as Miss Twe- Teen Sweet Valley and taking Jessica's place, handing out cheese samples at the mall <laughs> and she gets spotted by Amanda and Sarah. Uh, and like gives him a little wink yeah the miss teen sweet valley stuff was a little hard to connect to again i think given what this is such like a capital s serious issue book um and then yeah jessica's just burden of being miss teen sweet valley was just too much to bear yeah it was kind of like i guess it was like the comic relief like let's you know okay just when things are getting a little heavy you know, Sarah's about to cry for the 30th time in the book. She's going to lash out at another one of her friends or family members. Let, you know, let's cut back to the Wakefields where Jessica is really being a brat. Um, <laughs> but that's the, but the cheese. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. The cheese samples, I think, is a nice touch. Very nice touch. And another nice touch is that apparently um, Mrs. Eastbourne is dating someone who has his own helicopter. The logistics of that were quite striking to me. Because I was also like, wait, he lives in L.A., question mark, and they're in Sweet Valley. And I know that those two things aren't that far apart. But she's like, don't worry, he can helicopter in any time. And I'm like, I don't think that's how helicoptering works. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he could. But it's like, where is he going to land? Like on the front lawn? I don't know. Um but that is it. That is the long lost brother. I'm very eager to hear more um, overall opinions from you of this book and like how it fits in to the more like sort of exciting Sweet Valley books that you've read. But maybe we can talk about that in extra drama. Would that be cool with you? Sure. Sounds good. Well, for now, I must ask you, Brana, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, like I'm a social worker. I landed my social work career after realizing that a career in journalism is not so financially viable in the current economy. Uh, so yeah, I dare say big, big Elizabeth energy. This is a picture of you actually on the cover of this book, yep. putting your hand yeah. on some rando's shoulder. <laughs> It'll be okay. Um, well, awesome. Well, okay. So we are not leaving the realm of uh, random new characters in the next book, but it is definitely a big left turn. Um, I don't even really like normally like the simple way of having the guest like set up where the next book is. It's just like, can you read the tease at the end of the book? But in this case, they didn't even try to plant this storyline like as a thread throughout the book, like we've just got, we get to the end of the book and we've got, we've got April Dawson, who I think we might've met before. I'll have to look into it before the next book. And Mike Harris, who I guess was planted in the book. I think Mike is Tim's Alcoholics Anonymous sponsor. Yes. Yep. So we're very glad that Tim has Mike, which is, is lovely actually. But yeah, otherwise, Mike feels very tangential to the action of the book, though. Yeah, and we don't even meet him, like, throughout the book. We just, like, hear that Tim is with Mike, or Mike is on the phone. Mike is Tim's AA sponsor. That's great. Well, now at the end of the book, we've got April and Mike, and there's something about, like, Mike gets really mad thinking about, you know, assholes doing dirty stuff, like, playing playing his friends crooked. And April is like, what happened in your past, Mike, that makes you so angry? It, it scares me sometimes. Was it something of every time we, you go to one of your motorcycle races, you get so angry? So all this is the last two and a half pages of the book. And it's like, whoa, okay. April and Mike, sounds like they've got some drama going on. Um, So knowing that, do you care to read the final a tease for book 80? Yes. Um, and do you just want the last paragraph there? Sure, sure. I think the last paragraph will provide some helpful context. Okay, fine. I won't say another word about it, April promised. But in spite of Mike, Michael's denial, April knew she had gotten closer to the truth that morning than she ever had. Something bad had happened to Michael before she knew him, and it had involved Artie Western. I'm going to find out what that something is, she decided. What secret is Michael keeping from April? Find out in Sweet Valley number 80, the girl they both loved. Artie Western. What a name. <laughs> Sounds like the new Almodovar short. Anyway, that was a joke for fans of the movie news. I don't know. Pedro Almodovar made a like gay Western short. Um, an Artie Western is what I'm thinking. So now I've explained my joke. Um, Brianna, um, I am hoping that you will join me for a few more minutes in extra drama and we can talk a little bit more about um, big picture things about the book or the context of, uh, of Sweet Valley reading that you've done, extensive reading. Um, but do you have any thoughts for final thoughts for now on, uh, on The Long Lost Brother? <laughs> Like, I think, you know, very after school special E, um, I thought for the most part, um, 
they did a fairly good spirit of 12-step programs. Um, I think likely did not really capture the emotional reaction someone would have to like stepping into one, but I think did some nice jobs with like, it does seem that like Mike provides some really valuable support to Tim. Um, and so I don't know. I think I like that in the world, kids are learning a little bit about this. And honestly, compared to how any social issue is ever covered in Sweet Valley, I thought it was much better than usual. Yeah. I think I was sort of, this was one where I was surprised they were even trying. Like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, great. <laughs> well, Gladiators, you can hear more from us uh, next week, as well as Book 79's uh, Reader of the Month winner. Uh, until then, uh, thank you so much, Brianna. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember that you can always follow along uh, with me on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries or... Um, you can email me at sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. And also, I have a TikTok that I post to sometimes. It's just my last name, Flaxbart. Um, and until then, um, I think the lesson of this week's book is uh, just don't tell lies about your brother. You know? Smart. Don't tell lies about your brother. All right. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>